Good afternoon. I'm Tim Swindle, director of the Lunar and Planetary Laboratory at the University of Arizona, and this is Arizona Science. Joining me today for a conversation about, well, controlling what's out there in space is Marie Baja, the director of the Space Object Behavioral Sciences Initiative at the University of Arizona. I guess the first thing to ask is, what is space object behavioral science? As a science itself, uh, it still doesn't exist. We're creating it. It's multidisciplinary in nature, and basically it's trying to quantify, assess, and predict the behavior of objects in space, whether those objects be natural or man-made. So orbital mechanics is part of it, but uh, we've been approached by some people who've asked us, can you tell us what the intent of a given satellite is? And that answer is easy because the satellite doesn't have intent. That's the person controlling it. So there's a human uh, element uh, that goes along with it as well. There are a lot of objects out there in orbit around the Earth right now. How, how many are there that people track? So right now, the U.S. Uh, Department of Defense uh, develops and maintains a catalog of about 22,000 objects the size of a softball and larger. And out of those 22,000, only about 1,200 work and everything else is garbage. So about 96% of all the trackable space objects uh, are junk. And I, I underscore the, the word trackable because... Uh, there's about 200,000 objects that uh, are up there that could pose a danger that some of them are detectable and some of them are undetectable. And out of those 200,000, only about 22,000 are being actively tracked. And undetectable because of their characteristics or just because they're too small? Uh, both. And who is it that tracks these things right now? Is it just the U.S. Department of Defense or is everybody around the world tracking them? So everybody around the world uh, tries to do the best that they can at tracking these things. The, the most complete catalog, uh, publicly known catalog, is the one maintained by the U.S. Department of Defense for its own purposes. But since it's been keeping tabs on what's up there since Sputnik, uh, it has also been providing a service to other countries to help with trying to mitigate against collisions in space. Does that make other countries nervous that they have to go through the U.S. Department of Defense to find out what their satellites might run into? Absolutely. And so the European Space Agency is also looking at uh, European-based um, uh, catalog development and, and, and tracking uh, capability to help Europe out with its own needs. The Chinese have their own space surveillance system. Russia has its own as well. Uh, but the one that's the most complete and mostly shared is by the U.S. DOD, but yes, it makes uh, people nervous. Is the Department of Defense happy being a traffic cop for everyone with a satellite, or would they rather offload this to places like University of Arizona? Great question. So uh, General Hyten, who's the current commander of uh, Air Force Space Command, who uh, is in charge of training and equipping the people that uh, are the orbital analysts that develop this catalog, he has very much said that he would like for the DOD to focus on its own mission and hopefully offload uh, this space traffic monitoring capability to somebody else. Congressman Jim Bridenstine from Oklahoma recently wrote an American Space Renaissance Act that he released in April of this year, where one of the things that he's been positing is maybe another agency like the FAA could take this over. But the thing is, is that there's no real solution on what that would look like, and certainly academia uh, is now being looked at as uh, a genuine place where some of these solutions could be uh, harvested, and University of Arizona is clearly at the center of gravity of that. What difference does this make to the average person on the ground that's uh, not going to have to worry about something running into them in the orbit? Interestingly enough, uh, we have many space dependencies 
we have smartphones that have GPS and we have bank routing systems that depend on satellites as well. Uh, everybody is very much accustomed to getting nice live TV feeds, not only for news, but also the weather channel and all these things. All these are, are, are space uh, services and capabilities that we just take for granted as if these things were guaranteed, but there is no satellite protection system. There is no guarantee that these satellites are going to be working. And so how can we mitigate further damage and further uh, pollution in space and hopefully help protect these assets that we depend on on a daily basis. How many spacefaring nations are there? How many nations have launched things up there? Right now, the UN categorizes about 68 countries as being spacefaring, where spacefaring doesn't necessarily mean that they've launched something, but they have a dependency on a space service or capability. Mariba, thanks again for speaking with us. I'm Tim Swindle, director of the University of Arizona's Lunar and Planetary Laboratory. And this has been Arizona Science. You can hear this and other Arizona Science conversations by going to the Arizona Public Media website at azpm.org.